Welcome to Thrive with Trevor Huffman Podcast. Trevor will be sharing 20 years of his NBA, NCAA, and overseas basketball playing, training, and coaching experience to help basketball athletes, parents, and humans find their athletic edge and thrive. Thrive is a deep dive into the lives, routines, habits, and minds of the world's best mental performance coaches, leadership professors, pro basketball athletes, NBA and WNBA skill trainers, and thought-leading sports psychologists. Let Trevor help you find the edges of your comfort zone so you can thrive. I'd like to welcome Larry O'Bannon to the show. Thanks for coming on, man. How you doing? I'm doing good. I appreciate you having me on, Trev, man. Uh, we go back a ways, man. So uh, anytime you give me a call up, man, I'm, I'm more than obliged to be able to I, help you out. I appreciate it. So for everybody out there that doesn't, you know, who's not from from northern Michigan or Michigan, Larry O'Bannon uh, is a pro basketball player, played at University of Louisville, played for Rick Patino. We're going to get into that because I know, Okay, I know there's a lot of stories out there about Rick, but I also know he's a heck of a coach who, you know, probably helped you improve. What, um, just kind of go back, tell us where you're from, where you came from, and where you ended up. Just kind of take us through your, your arc. Okay. Uh, well, like you said, I'm from Louisville, Kentucky. And so I started out playing basketball at a very young age, man, probably somewhere around the likes of two or three. I come from a basketball family. So my dad played, my mom played, both my sisters played. Uh, my uncle's cousin. So I, I was always around it. So I was kind of bred into the basketball world mm -hmm. and uh, just came up and, and started playing in youth organization leagues. And then I would play, you know, middle school. And then I, you know, started really getting serious. And once I started playing in high school, I started growing and coming into my body. And um, then so it was when, kind of when could you dunk? Like when, when were you dunking? Like just give I us was dunking in seventh grade. You dunked in seventh grade? Yep, I was dunking oh in seventh God. grade. I was six one and a half in okay. seventh grade. So you were one of those kids on HGH early, like you. Were just <laughs> <laughs> I hit my I hit my growth spurt early, man. Then slowed down after that. I yeah. hit it early and then slowed down. And so um, then got to high school, man, and uh, was still pretty good. One of the best players for my age in the city in the state of Kentucky. And then it's the first time I really started playing nationally. And mm -hmm. playing nationally was, was sort of a wake up for me to realize how good other guys were and, and how much more I needed to work. How I wasn't the most athletic and the biggest mm -hmm. guy. And so uh, then that really kind of channeled my uh, dedication and work ethic, uh, what I thought was a work ethic in high school at the time anyway. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, had a successful high school career. Then went on, like you said, played at the University of Louisville under Tino for four years had up and downs in the beginning, finished out strong, uh, went to the Final Four, and after that didn't get drafted, um, played overseas for 15 years. Uh, it was a wonderful career. Mm -hmm. uh, I had amazing experiences, man, some experiences that you know I probably would have never had had I made it to the NBA. So right. uh, that's just how I tend to look at it. But it was wonderful, man. It's, it's given me a, a head start on life. Uh, it's been great to me, great to my family. So uh, I'm thankful for it, man. That's yeah. pretty much my journey so, so far. I, yeah, and I got to play with Larry when we were we were both in France, and I just 
you know, it was, it was my last year. So I was basically ending, ending my career. Uh, I had ankle surgery, reconstructive ankle surgery, and I just got to know Larry and, you know, just thought, man, you know, well-spoken down to earth, great teammate, um, you know, from, from Kentucky, you know, just grew up in a basketball state. And I just want to go back and when, you know, kind of talk about when you kind of basically, you just said, like, I, I realized when I went up to the national scale, uh, maybe your work ethic wasn't at a, as high a level as you thought or, or your system of training. Tell me about that, like, mindset shift when you all of a sudden went from like, man, I'm the big fish in the small pond. Now you realize, dang, there's a lot of big fish out there. And, uh, yeah, a lot big, a lot of uh, a lot of <laughs> big yeah. fish, bigger fish, bigger fish at that because it was was so easy for me because I was so much quicker and so much more athletic mm. than everybody that I really didn't have to develop a skill set. And you know, I could just take one or two dribbles, go around people, and I could go up and I could jump, you know, over anybody. But like yeah. you said, once I got to the national scene, it's like okay, these guys are you know six ten, six eleven, six nine. Mm -hmm. run just as fast, jump just as high, if not higher. Mm -hmm. Some of these guys handle the ball better than I do. Mm -hmm. And so by this time, you know, I knew that I wanted to play professionally. I knew mm -hmm. that was something that I wanted to do. And I'm looking, I'm like, you know, these guys are, are high division one caliber. And, you know, you hear about the rankings and things like that. You're like, okay, I see what they see in this guy. And so it shifted my mentality to where it was like, I have to get better. Mm -hmm. I have to be able to, you know, learn how to become skilled and, you know, learn the game of basketball and not just be an athlete. That was one thing a coach said to me. He said, son, he said, you're a great athlete. Mm -hmm. He said, but I'm going to turn you into a great basketball player. And that was what Rick Pitino told me. And I didn't know it at the time when I was in high school and mm -hmm. going into college, man, I was a great athlete. You know, you're talking about run and jump. I could do that with the best of them. But, mm -hmm. you know, the nuances to, you know, coming off of a screen when you fade and the guy goes up and through, mm -hmm. stopping behind the screen instead of fading and going back, you know, mm -hmm. just little details to, you know, becoming uh, a basketball proper footwork coming mm -hmm. off the screen. You know, little things like that, you know, not, not traveling. Those are what turns you from a great athlete to being a great basketball player, being able to shoot consistently, being able to create your own shot. If the lane's not open, if somebody's pressure, you can you get your yeah. shot off. And so, you know, those were things that I sort of struggled with uh, when I was an athlete. You know, I had it a little bit, but I didn't have it to the level that I needed to have. Mm -hmm. So um, that's when my mind really shifted and it had to become like a job. Yeah. You know, if, if something I really wanted to pursue and get paid, you know, like a job one day, I had to pursue it like that. And it wasn't just recreational. And so that was the biggest shift for me to really look at it as a job mm -hmm. and not recreation. So let's, let's, let's dive into that. You know, you say, you know, I always tell kids, it's not the, the, you don't, you don't rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your system and your system is essentially what you do every day. How do you improve? What habits do you have? Uh, are you eating well? Are you sleeping well? What's your weightlifting? Are you studying tape? You know, I, I really talk like to these kids today, you know, they want to they want to play professionally. So are you guys playing twice a day? Are you doing film study? Are you eating well? You know, like I could go through all the different aspects of being of reaching your potential and overachieving. Do you feel like you didn't? Oh, do you feel like you didn't have the system you needed in high school? And then Patino taught you that system. 
and and kind of talk about like what your system evolved into as you got as you said you went from rec- recreational to like the pro mindset or or really looking at it as like listen this is the direction I'm going I got to act like a pro right now for sure for sure that's one thing that I give Rick Pitino a lot of credit uh, for is really teaching us how to be professionals and you know regardless of you know where the things are where the things are good or where the things are bad Mm-hmm. Your work ethic has to stay the same. And that affected me early on in college, man, because when things are going great, man, work ethic was through the roof. But when mm-hmm. things weren't going well, it's just like, man, man, I'm not doing that. Ain't no. <laughs> yeah, that that <laughs> mental not, tug of war. Yeah, yeah. You know, like you said, it's a mental tug of war, man, but that's that's not the professional setting or the mindset that you have to have. And he always harped about that, harped about that, you know, always you know he, he preached about one day contract every day that you come into the gym it's a one day contract you have to earn that contract you got to beat out the next guy for that contract and that yeah. mentality that you have to take going into your work ethic but to get back to your question um yeah i didn't have the 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 regimen of the system in high school you know we worked hard but it wasn't really hard work. I didn't really learn what hard work was until I got to, to college and to, mm-hmm. to Rick Pitino and, and really overworking, mm-hmm. uh, learning how to eat properly, um, getting the proper amount of rest, even though I don't even know if we got the proper amount of rest with Rick Pitino. We practice so much. Yeah. <laughs> but you, de- you develop a work ethic to where it's like every day you have to have some type of high intensity training, you know, some type of high intensity cardio where you get your heart rate up how many jump shots are you getting up a day did you did you work on something to get better what something that you didn't do well that you worked on that day to get better Mm -hmm. and every day for me it had to be at least an hour 15 minutes in the gym high intensity because one thing i learned from rick patino he said man if you're in the gym two to three, four hours, you're not, you're not going hard enough. I said, mm-hmm. all you need is a good hour. If you're going hard enough and playing at game like speed and your drills and everything said, all you need is a hard hour in the gym. Mm-hmm. And I always had to make sure that I get my weight regimen in because I wasn't the, I wasn't the fastest guy. I had a quick burst, but I was, I was strong. I was mm-hmm. a strong guard. Mm-hmm. And so I always had to make sure that I get my uh, weightlifting in. I always had to make sure that I get my high intense cardio in mm-hmm. to make sure that, you know, I got my heart rate up and that I was doing some type of basketball exercise that day, whether it was running up and down, whether it was ball handling, mm-hmm. uh, getting up, you know, 500, 600 makes. Mm-hmm. It was something that I had to do to get my heart rate up. And that was the difference from when I got to, from high school when I got to college and shifted from that, you know, recreational mindset to where, uh, yeah, I might do it today, might not do it today to where it's like, no, I got to adjust everything else around this schedule to make sure that I get this in no matter what it costs. You know what? I might have to get it in at at one o'clock in the morning. Guess what? I didn't get it in today. I got to go. I got to make up for it. You can't Mm -hmm. let a day go past where something you don't get it in. You know, yeah, I I do something like that with the kids. I call it the twenty-one day challenge. You got to play, work out, shoot, make a hundred shots in twenty-one straight days. 
And, you know, it's hard because a lot of kids don't realize that system is just, it's the habit, you know, like where, you, like you said, man, ah, oh, shoot, I didn't get my shots up. It's one at 12 a.m. I'm going like, sorry, guys, I got to go. I got to get this in. I got to keep my streak alive. I right. think it's really important where, you know, every, 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 every action you make or every choice you make to do something, it's kind of, it's like a vote. You're, you're basically voting for who you're becoming. Like you're, you're putting your attention in basketball. Well, you're voting, you, you're making a vote to become a pro basketball player. Every time you work out, you train. So I think a lot of, a lot of kids, they don't think like that. You know, they think, man, I got, I got distractions. I got the Instagram, you got, you got Snapchat, you know, all your time gets sucked away and you're left with no time to choose. And I think it's tough. I, w- I didn't grow up in that area. We didn't have to like worry about that stuff. I mean, maybe you did. Hey, basketball parents, coaches, and athletes. One of my favorite adapted quotes is, we do not rise to the level of our basketball goals, but rather we fall to the level of our basketball training system. Why do I say that? Well, I want to help all your basketball athletes, kids, or players figure out how to chase their basketball dreams in a smart, systematic way. So I'm offering my live online basketball training community today and get a free week of virtual home basketball workouts streamed into your garage, your living room, your basement, your driveway, and you get to work out with the pros. All right, we do this every week, and for the first time, your kids will have direct access to me, sports performance trainers, other pro coaches for as little as $25 a month. If you're interested, please visit trevorhuffman.com or text me, quote, Huffman Club with your full name at 810-771-8622. Again, that's 810-771-8622. How would you tell kids to manage their time wisely with all the technology and distractions and and stuff to take away your your focus? It, and like you said, man, uh, I was coming up. I wasn't too long after you, Trev. We were coming up, you know, you had, you know, Nintendo, Sega Genesis, but we, we were outside playing. You know, you go play in the park and, you know, you play and pick up all day. And then somebody else might say, well, we have an open gym at this high school. And then you finish at the park, you go over to the high school and play. You were always looking, you mm-hmm. know, for the next game or you was outside playing football or you was always doing some type of, you know, exercise. Or, or, and, and you don't have that really uh, nowadays. Yeah, for sure. What what was but your I think the oh, I, I think the biggest but but to get back to your point, I think the biggest thing I've always said that separates professional from amateur is self discipline. Mm-hmm. That's that's the biggest thing. I always tell kids, I said the the biggest biggest characteristic that separates amateur from professional is self discipline. And like you said, making sure that you get your work in regardless of whatever else is going on, did you get your work in that day? Because you looking at this as a job, you have to check into your job every single day. And right. you're, it's up to you. It's not up to anybody else. And and that's what it takes to yeah. you know, get to where you want to go. And, I, and I, I like to talk a little bit about that because I think it takes a certain mindset to go from amateur to pro. And I don't know. I think it's different for everybody. You know, my I had... I've had a few talks with sports psychologists, uh, you know, leadership professors. And, you know, I love asking this question because I played in an emotional state that was pretty even keeled. You know, I felt like, you know, practiced. I was always make or miss. I was just, I'm I'm just, I'm doing the work. Like the obstacle is the work. You know, the obstacle is showing up at the gym. So whatever the obstacle is, that's the direction you need to move in. But I also feel like 
I think I was probably 15 when I realized I went downstate and I played in inner city Flint. You know, I was from you know, pretty much all white school. And then I came down and I, and for the first time I played in the inner city, I, play, I was playing with, you know, uh, black kids that were faster, stronger, and better at basketball than me. And, and for the first time I had to like, one, feel uncomfortable. You know what I mean? That being uncomfortable feeling when you're like, oh shoot, I feel uncomfortable. I'm not, I, I'm not the best, I'm not the big fish in a small pond. And to mm-hmm. be able to change your mindset to say, okay, I, I'm now the small fish. And if I'm like you said, I got a one day contract every day. I got to show up. I got to work. I got to put in the time. But I also have to have a system, whether it's weights, speed and agility, quickness, mobility, flexibility, mind training, you know, visualization, meditation, shooting, dribbling, competitive play. Like there's so much for kids to get better at. But I feel like because of these distractions, you know, they don't ever change that mindset. Did you have a day where you were like, this is it? Mindset like, I got a maybe somebody that challenged me, a player that motivated you. Like my guy was Dane Fife. Dane Fife played at Indiana. He was Mr. Basketball. And I used to dream about beating him in high school, like college. Like, you know, so I had this carrot in my head and I didn't like Dane Fife. I, I honestly didn't. And I didn't even know him. It didn't, it didn't matter. But that's what it took for me to kind of go from that amateur mindset to that pro mindset. Did you? ever have anything like that where you just had a player, uh, a person, somebody that just inspired you to, to, to put in the work every day? It was. And when I first got to college, it was a guy named Reese Gaines. Mm, yeah, and I remember him. When I, when, I, you know, when I signed to go to Louisville, I was going out there before I enrolled in the fall semester. And the very first time we played one-on-one, like, Reese just did whatever he wanted and there was nothing I could do about it. He was, you know, he wasn't more athletic than me. He was, you know, faster. He was a little bigger than I was, but like defensively, I, you know, I couldn't really do anything. Um, offensively, you know, I didn't really have the skill set to really do anything. Mm-hmm. And so it really, it really challenged me. And then I watched his work ethic and I watched how hard he went and just talking to him and, and, and really watching him, it really shifted my mentality because, you know, I thought that I had worked hard and then I see this guy doing extra stuff and I'm like, man, this dude is a machine. Yeah. And and at that point I said, I have to reconfigure myself and I have to turn myself into that machine. Mm-hmm. I said, I do, but I said, because he's I said, nobody can guard him. Nobody can do anything with him. I said, that's that's how I have to be. And so I watched him. I wanted to emulate everything that he did because it just seemed like, you know, he always had the, you know, he always worked the hardest. He did mm-hmm. everything. He, you know, if we needed a bucket, he, he, he was able to deliver. Yeah, and yeah. he was so competitive. Mm-hmm. And that really rubbed off on me because I was like you. I was when I played, I played at an even kill. Like I didn't really show too much emotion, mm-hmm. but I was competitive. Mm-hmm. And really playing against Reese Gain, it really took my competitive nature up to another level. And I didn't know that I had it. And and playing along Rick Patino also did that as well because he's just as competitive. It's it's mm-hmm. kind of like that fine line, like 
that competitive edge right where you're about ready to fight, mm-hmm. but you're not, but you're not quite there, but you're close. Any yeah. little thing can set you off, but that's how competitive you are. That's where I had to get to. I, I wasn't there when I first got in. Mm-hmm. And that, that was the difference to get to that fine line to, you know, you, you working so hard, you competing so hard that any little unfair call, unjust call, man, it kind of sets you off. And it's like, yeah. man, it's like that ain't right. But you, you know, you you compete so hard that, like, man, come on, yeah. And uh, I think I that's the mean. that's the that's the part that I had to get to, and then come the professional part that I had to learn as well. But once you get to that competitive level, to be able to main to be able to you know remain stoic, yeah. do unjust calls, do fair calls, you know yeah. what I'm saying, but still maintaining that competitive edge, but not going off. And so yeah. uh, that's what really you know, really, you know, happened for me once I got to college and and with that mindset shift, that was uh, how it happened for me and what I had to learn. Yeah. And you, you said stoic, which is an interesting philosophy, you know, it's, uh, founded by Zeno of, of an Athens. And I, I just, you know, you had Aristotle, you had Marcus Aurelius, all the, all the stoic, these stoic guys where, you know, you're, you're basically, Taking human suffering, whatever it is, uh, physical suffering, mental suffering, injury, and you're choosing to respond in a positive way or in an even keeled way. So if something bad happens to you, you respond, you take the stimuli, there's a space there for you to respond. You take that space and you either use it for motivation or you stay positive. You don't let it get you down, you know, and, and I think stoicism as a philosophy is great for, for young athletes, coaches, parents to talk about, you know, like, listen, there's, there's going to be bad stimuli in sports, you know, especially parents, like think about them parents that are just thinking their kids, you know, need to be on the court. They're entitled They're If you have an entitled parent, you're going to have an entitled kid. And if for sure, you know what I mean? How, like for me, the lesson of sports is there to teach us how to, how to win at life. You know, we're all going to retire. You, re- you, you retired, right? I mean, you might have a comeback and yep, just retired, yep. just retired. Like I retired, but I'm just thinking, you know, I wish more people would talk about the values and the things you learn from sports that apply to, to after, you know, after sport, because you do need stoicism. You do need to be able to, to take a hit on a chin and get angry, you know, or get, uh, keep your cool in a, in a scenario or show up to work when you don't feel like going to work, you know, I mean, as an you know entrepreneur, you know, I set my own day, I set my own schedule. So I really have to be the person that lives in, uh, aligned with my values. Cause if I don't, you know, but I learned that through sports, it took me a little while to figure that out. But like parents just forget about that. You know, the fact that, uh, you know, you could you could respond to to any stimuli that happens in in a better way. Or I give you uh, I, yeah, I give, give you a quick I I give you a quick story, man. Uh, between me and Rick Pitino, uh, really uh, taught me about life, taught me about myself, and um, really helped shift my mindset. My sophomore year, uh, going into my sophomore year, man, I'm I'm busting busting my butt in the summertime busting my butt to get this start position. I come out sophomore year, I earned the start position. And never forget, we're playing Seton Hall, fifth game of the season. Mm-hmm. I didn't rotate over and take a charge. And the coach took me out the game, and I didn't get back in. You know, other guys got in playing well. And so 
I'm like, okay, going to practice and I'm trying to work my butt off, get my playing time, get my starting position back. And <clears throat> I was playing a little bit, but I didn't get my starting position back and my minutes were going down. And so it really started to affect my work ethic and my attitude. Mm-hmm. And so me and Rick Pitino started kind of button heads a little bit, button heads a little bit. And then, you know, it really kind of, you know, blew out of proportion. Like we were, you know, going at it. I'm like, man, you know, I felt like, you know, I'm working just as hard as everybody else, if not harder, mm-hmm. but I'm not, you know, getting able to play. I'm like, man, that's BS. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not doing anything different now that I did when I earned my starting position. And what it taught me was how entitled that I felt just because I was working hard. Mm-hmm. I, you know, just because you're working hard doesn't entitle you to, you know, start. You know, everybody's everybody's working hard. Everybody's, you know, the guys, you know, on the bench, 11 and 12, that don't get to play. They're doing the same practice drills. They're doing everything that you're doing. They don't get to play either. But they're not, you know, boohooing and crying and, you know, pouting and, and getting mm-hmm. attitude about it, you know. And so he said, and your work ethics dropped off. He said, you're not getting your way, so you're not working as hard now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he pointed these things out to him, and he's like, you know, he said it was a test. He, mm-hmm. he said it was a test. Mm-hmm. And so we sat and we talked about it, man. It, I had to really take a self-evaluation of it. I'm like, I was. I was entitled because, you know, I worked hard. I felt like I was deserving, but like, you know, I had this entitlement. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, make a long story short, man, it, it made me pick up my work ethic and, and regardless of whatever was going on, I always had to keep my work ethic. Because what they say, you know, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. Because when my number was called, you know, my game wasn't the same because my work ethic wasn't the same because I was so busy pounding and Mm-hmm. You know, being entitled, like, man, this is BS. Mm-hmm. But then when my number was called to get my to get my position and my minutes back, you know, I wasn't ready like I was going into the season when I've been busting my butt that summer. That's a good point, man. I, I got a quote you, from James Clear. Uh, James Clear is one of my favorite writers. He says, you always hold the rights to your effort, but never to your results. So like you said, you you know, you had the rights to, to you let that effort, you know, diminish because you weren't getting the result. But then he goes and says, results are entitled to no one. At best, they're on loan and must be renewed each day. All you own is the right to try. And I think it's such a, it's such a cool thing because parents, you know, they want success. But, and they want, they want kids to get playing time. They want this. But you know what they should be proud of is, is the effort. Are, is your kid working their tail off every day in practice? Are they staying after doing the extra things to get better? Because like you said, because one day, you know, whether it's in basketball or out of basketball, that work ethic, that, that, that effort level is going to pay off. And, and I'm, you know, 100% convinced that people that can live in that kind of mindset that live in that philosophy are, are just so much further ahead, but it's not easy, right? Like you also work in and expecting results. Like, and I, and I think it's important to, to remain, you know, basically in that stoic place where you, you're not attached to the results. It doesn't take you down into a depression. If you get hurt, you know, you, you, your, your will remains strong throughout that time. It took me a long time to learn that because I had a lot of injuries and, and, you know, I want to talk to you about that. Like 
what was like some of the lowest points of your career in and how did you bounce out of those, whether it was injury or like you were saying that that meeting with Rick Pitino, which was, you know, probably pivotal. But tell me, you know, maybe about another time where, you know, we all kind of get lost in the trenches of, of, of our minds and how you got yourself out, what you focused on. Um, well, that 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 year, my sophomore year with Rick Pitino um, in, in my whole basketball career, that was probably my lowest year because for the rest of that year. I didn't really play. And me and Rick Pitino had a meeting at the end of the year. He wanted me to leave mm-hmm. because I had become sort of a cancer to the team. Mm-hmm. And it was it was just a low point, man, because, you know, I, I'd always had this dream of wanting to play basketball. And they, I'm like, man, it, you know, it's not going to happen. And here I am playing for, you know, this great coach. And he's he was telling me to leave. Mm-hmm. And so, man, I, I really – had to go and I had to go see a sports therapist because mm-hmm. it sort of sent me into a depression. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the, the great thing about it because athletics teaches you about adversity. That's the main thing that I take away from athletics is one, you're never going to quit. Once you start something, you never quit. Mm-hmm. You know, regardless of however it's going, you have to find a way to make it through. You know, and and that comes with your competitiveness. And so those are one of the, you know, one of the things that I took away. But back to my low point, um, that was my low point. You know, thank God I never really had any serious injuries Mm -hmm. um, during my basketball career. You know, I've had a a few things that may have kept me out uh, maybe a month or, or something like that, but nothing really significant. But, um Probably a, another thing that really was tough for me was was once I got older and I wasn't able to bounce back and respond and, and do the thing physically, do things physically that I was able to do when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And that was a challenge for me. That, that was a mental challenge for me. And uh, it, it was tough. Mm-hmm. And, and once I realized that, I knew that, you know, the writing was on the wall and, and the light. <laughs> I was at the light at the end of the tunnel. I couldn't mm-hmm. see it. I was at the light. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it was tough, man. It was it was tough. But it is. It's, uh, I had a lot of it sounds like you, you know, maybe we should talk about how do you stay so healthy? Because I didn't stay that healthy. And I had, <laughs> you know, having having uh, I think. Uh, Patrick Pat Riley called them, you know, negative thunderbolts. You know, when you get you get injured, it sets you back a couple months. You know, and then you're playing catch up. And I always felt like I was playing catch up because I break an ankle. Mm-hmm. I always had ankle issues. You know, I felt like Steph Curry. You know, just getting surgery after surgery after surgery, and then I'd have five good years, and then I'd, you know, and then I'd, and then I'd have a bone spur. You know, something just was always coming back. But yeah, I think I think just you know keeping the Sorry hey. about that. Oh, you're all right. You're popular. <laughs> what is that? FaceTime? Yeah, my FaceTime. Um, yeah, the, you know, the, the minds, the, the visualization, the mental stuff, you know, I kind of want to go over that with you. How did you develop? Did you, did you, did you do any visualization, any meditation, any mindfulness training as you got older or even in college? Um, it's kind of a tab, you, you know, taboo. Go you ahead. know what, you know, you know what, man, that was something that just came to me naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, I think 
you know, just I think it more so developed living in Kentucky when it was was cold weather, and I had a I had a basketball goal in my backyard, and sometimes man, it just it'd be physically too cold just to to go outside, even though I might try for a minute. You know, go out there. It, it was just too cold because I had these big mittens on and mm-hmm. I couldn't really feel the ball. But I would go in the house and I would think about what I wanted to work on that day. Like mm-hmm. it might be just a two dribble combination that I saw. I'm like, man, I seen that dude go between the legs behind the back really fast. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, it looks so nice. And so I would sort of walk through it. I didn't. I wouldn't even have a basketball. Mm-hmm. And then I would just kind of think about the rhythm of it. Mm, boom, boom, boom. And, you know, you think about it, you think about it. And it sort of happened for me naturally, man, when I was younger. And then I would progress, you know, as I started to get a little older, I would think about, you know, think about the game. I'd be like, well, what happened in the game today? And then I would try to recall what happened. And as I start practicing it more, I was able to recall more of what happened mm-hmm. in the game. Well, I should have did this. I should have did that. I bet he was probably open on that play because two people had me right here and I didn't even look there. Mm-hmm. And so it really started to come natural for me as a progression. And then I started to learn about it once I started going to basketball camps. Mm-hmm. They would have sports psychologists there and they would talk to us. They would like visualize the game. And I was like, you know, I didn't really know if you were supposed to do that. That was just something that I just had already been doing. But I'm mm-hmm. like, Okay, but you know, now this is a professional saying this is what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, I'm I'm really thinking about it now. You know, I would just think about it from my own individual aspect, but now I'm thinking about it on a more, you know, holistic level, thinking about the whole game, you know, mm-hmm. the other guys on the court, not just myself, you know, trying to do a dribble move or working on, you know, some individual move that I'm trying to get down. Now I'm thinking about the whole game and what happened and what could I have done. So it just sort of naturally progressed for me. Yeah. It's good stuff, man. I Yeah, I think it's important, you know, for for kids to to practice whether it's mindfulness or visualization like you're saying, un, studying film, you know, mimicking. I think mimicry is one of the best ways to improve at basketball. You know, I watch you know, I'm for you know, just for fun sometimes. I I'll, I'll get on Synergy because I'm because I was a pro head coach. I still have my Synergy email. I get on there and I just watch all of Trey Young's pick and roll possessions, you know? And it's mm-hmm. just, it's fun to see because you're like, man, this kid's like 5'11", maybe six foot. And he's so creative with the ball. He's got good speed, but you know, he's not, he's not that strong, you know, he doesn't, but he's just, it's just really interesting to watch. Cause he, like Steph Curry has kind of revolutionized the, the game with his range and his skill set and his ability to, to leverage a pick and roll and, so, you know, like stuff like that, I, I would recommend kids, you know, players find, you know, somebody to study. It could be different people, but, you know, like you're saying where you, you're like, okay, that was through the leg behind the back. One, two, one, two, like get that rhythm down and then go mimic it, you know, and go, get out on the, on, on the court and mimic it. I, uh, Bob Taylor, a good coach, good friend of mine, he said, I'll take all the shots you missed, like, Larry and I play one-on-one all the time and you know I would Larry I would beat Larry because I'm just that much you know I'm a better athlete than Larry <laughs> <laughs> and Larry so I would I would miss any shot I miss in a game or a one-on-one I, I would I would stay after and work on those shots so I'd, I if I missed my you know my one-two step you know pulley and then or my hezzy and then I you know like I would go back and try to make all those shots which I think is a really cool way 
you know, you can visualize the shot, then you can, you can, you can play. And then you can also go back and visualize what shots you missed in your head, which I think is not, you know, like you hear the best players, they can literally step-by-step walk you through plays in a game, you know, and they can see it in their mind. And I think it's a really cool way to, to help players get better. You know, what, what shot did you miss? Go, go make that shot. And I love that concept, you know, go, go make 10 of those shots, you know, after practice, whatever shot. That is a, that is a fact. I I can definitely confirm that um, you stand after practice, getting reps up, especially on shots that you miss. And I remember particular, man, uh, you working on that, Hezzy pull up from the top of the key, bam, bam. Yeah. That that was your thing. And yeah. then next thing you know, it turns into a shooting competition. I'm jumping in with you, and I'm working on my one, two, Hezzy, and we we shoot and seeing who can make the first of ten. So mm-hmm. uh, your habits were contagious. But I think that the visualization really speeds up the IQ learning for players. Like you said, mm-hmm. if you can visualize it and try to anticipate what's going to happen in your mind. And then when you actually get on the court and you actually see it in real time, you kind of know what you're supposed to do because you've already visualized it. You've Mm -hmm. already kind of put yourself through that experience Mm -hmm. in in a virtual, thoughtful vision. Mm -hmm. And so once you get into it, you know, you just kind of, you know what's going to happen before before it even happens yeah. because you you know you think about it and, and once you think about it you're like well, well what would i do in that situation and so then you go through you know option a b c you're like, okay yeah i, I probably if that happens i'll do i should do that and then when it actually happens in the game and you see it bam yeah. you already know what to do that it kind of gives you a pre-experience to it and it also like i said makes your iq that much higher you know, for exactly. uh, yourself and your team. And now somebody else may not even know what's going on, but you've already been through it. And so now you can help this player mm-hmm. tell him what to do, you know, because you've already experienced it, you know, in, you know, in thought and in real time. So you, you can help him and mm-hmm. what's going on. So uh, it definitely speeds up the IQ. It's definitely something that uh, I recommend. And also, like you said, sit down, just watching video and picking somebody that, you know, you want to mimic. For me, when I was coming up, it was Ray Allen. Mm-hmm. I loved Ray Allen. I-, I wanted to do everything Ray Allen did. Mm-hmm. Ray Allen was coming off of a-, a screen curling and catching and shooting. Man, I would go outside, flip the ball to myself, act like I was coming off a curl, catch and mm-hmm. shoot. Bam, yep. bam. Yep. And, you know, different things to, to-, to mimic and improve your game. For sure. For sure. I mean, I love that because I think the imagination, you know, as, as players, they all, you know, we play, they play, 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 they play AU, they play this, they play that, you know, and, and I think for, there's a lot of kids out there that, that can compete and just with themselves first, get out, you know, get out and do these shooting workouts, dribbling workouts, you know, um, I used to look at the team that we were going to play. How do they guard the pick and roll? Okay, because if I can, if I know how they're guarding the pick and roll, if they're hard hedging or they're flattening or they're dropping their big, or maybe they're going to ice me and force me to the sideline. Okay, I know what to work on that week leading up to that game and really get a lot of reps, a lot of reps at at what kind of shots, what kind of passes, what kind of reads I'm going to have to make. You know, I think a lot of kids don't think like that. You know, even maybe in college, maybe they're just on, they're just programmed. You know, to come out and play, come out and play. But 
you know, at the higher right. levels, at the higher levels, now you're really starting to get into like what you're saying, the IQ, because it happens so fast. And you have, if you don't understand where the, the right play is, your shot or your pass, you know, then, then you're hurting your team or, or you're not helping yourself. And I think that's, uh, you know, something young guys could do, coaches could do, really prepare, you know, the, the, how, how another team defends, you know, if they're trapping, if they're, if they're going to hard hedge you, you know, are you ready to split it? Are you, you know, have you been, so I like to, I like to do that stuff as a point guard, but um, most importantly, like you said, I think just competing against yourself, going out, mimicking stuff on your own, you can get so much better, you know, just doing that one thing, <laughs> just go out and do it, you know, put that in your practice routine. Um, Right. And, and it's really important, especially for you playing the point guard, because, you know, you're the floor general, you control the game, you have to know what's going on and you have to be able to put things into play how you want them and how you study them. And me, from a scoring standpoint, I love to watch it because I'm like, OK, how is this guy guard me? You know, does he got shifty feet? Does he mm. got? heavy feet you know so if he's got heavy pressure feet, he might be, yeah. yeah yeah and so he might be sitting on the crossover so now i can hesitation and just go mm-hmm. how's this how's this guy doing when he comes off a screen is he slow does he break through screens does this mm-hmm. guy physical you know how is he guard is he lazy in defense can i maybe get an easy layup in transition mm-hmm. you know all of these different ways i'm trying to think about how i can be efficient in my scoring and try to get you know, easy buckets, yeah. you know, at the same time. Does this guy, when he's guarding me, is his hand all the way up? Or when he's playing deep, is his hands down? Because I'm like, if his hand's down, Man you, know, down. I, you know, I have enough confidence. And yeah. if I can see the basket, it's it's a yeah. high percentage shot. And so, and, and that's just how you even think about it. And in each position, it, it may be different. But like you said, it goes back to the visualization and the preparation of how you can do your job the best of your ability and be effective. And so mm-hmm. having that high IQ just puts you that much closer to being, you know, the the, the player that you want to be and, and playing at the, the highest level. I like it. Uh, last thing. All right. This is a short podcast, Larry. We don't spend a lot of time mishmashing around talking about, you know, bourbon and stuff. We get right into it. Okay. <laughs> so all right. I'm just messing with you. The, uh, uh, I, I like to like every year, every summer, every before every off season. I would like, I'd like to sit down and reflect. You know, I used to journal a lot, write down what I was doing well, what I wasn't doing well. But did you do anything where you would kind of sit down year after year, kind of set a general goal or intention for yourself, and then kind of build out a training system or like what you want to do, what your week looked like, what your training like, how many days a, a week you'd lift, how many days a week you'd do speed. Uh, agility quickness training like did if, and if you did i mean i can talk about mine but i'd like you know if you did anything like that um you know in terms of goal um, setting for, and- for for me i definitely did at the end of at the end of each year uh it was sort of an evaluation process so i would look and, and see you know well how did i shoot from the foul line or you know how did i shoot from three how was my field goal percentage this year um you know, how was I on defense? Did I feel quick? Did I feel uh, kind of slow? Mm-hmm. How was I getting out in the break? Um, you know, was I able to really excel? Or was mm-hmm. I, you know, was I fatigued? How was my conditioning? You know, I sat down and thought about all of that. 
mm. at the end of the year. And I would, you know, just kind of make notes on how my body felt and, and how I felt about my game. And I would stake that into my off-season conditioning. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you know, sometimes I felt like, you know what, man, it was, I had a bunch of quick guards this year. I said, I really got to work on my foot speed and my lateral quickness. Mm-hmm. And so every day I would make sure that I would spend, you know, some amount of time in that drill. It may not be the entire workout, but I know for at least 10 to 15 minutes, whether it be the start or the finish of my workout, I have to do agility, quickness, lateral drills. Mm-hmm. You know what? I struggled late in games, man, really shooting well at the free throw line. I shot well at the free throw line all game, you know, was I fatigued. Mm-hmm. And so then at some point, I would really wear myself out in maybe like a two to three minute segment, boom, boom, boom. And then I would go to the foul line when I'm dead tired and I would have to make two free throws and, you know, hold that accountability. And mm-hmm. then at the end of the workout, and when I'm dead tired, I got to get up here and make 10 in a row. If I don't make 10 in a row, you know, I got to do a sprint or some push-ups. But whatever it was that I thought about, you know, at the end of the year, I always implemented, you know, into my workouts because I always wanted some type of way to get better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you always – you never get complacent, man. Complacency is the enemy of greatness. And so you always can get better at something. And if you're honest with yourself, you can probably find a few things. Mm-hmm. And so I always try to think about that. And I tried to take that into my off-season training. You know, I still have my regular regimen of getting up and making, you know, 500 makes every day. I always make 250 on one end, then I would go make 250 on the other end. You know, I would do my ball handling, working on my pick and rolls. Mm -hmm. So I sort of had my set regimen on on what I wanted to do. But um, if it was ever something specific that I wanted to work on, I would always make sure that I incorporated it. And also when I played five on five, you know, I didn't play five on five just to play. I always went into the five on five that day wanting to work on something specific. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, so today I'm really going to work on my pick and roll, um, trying to get to the elbow, get to my mm-hmm. pull-up jump shot. Mm-hmm. Okay, today when I play five on five, I'm not selling today. I'm working on getting into the lane, getting fouled, attacking the basket today. I'm not going to call a lot of fouls, but I'm going to try to finish through contact. Mm-hmm. You know, it was always something that I wanted to go in and work on in 505. But, you know, I didn't want to just go and play because, you know, if I go and play, you know, I'm just playing just to get in shape. But I wanted to focus and get better at something when I was playing 505. What what am I working on? What am I specifically targeting and getting better at today? Yeah, I like that, man. That's such a great, a great, uh, I used to do that too. I forgot about that. Like I would, you know, for me, I, I sucked at floaters. Like, one off one foot like nobody had ever taught me how to do you know i didn't i didn't really learn how to do a euro step or anything until i got overseas so you know to to train that kind of pattern that micro pad and i started you know really focusing on it in my workouts you know just getting mm-hmm. in the lane making 10 makes going off a of pick and roll into the middle 10 going to the baseline rejecting the screen and you know going on to the other side so and then i would go into five and five being like well if I, if I drive, you know, I'm, I'm working on that. So I'm going to, you know, I have to shoot that even if I miss it, even if I lose a few games, like, you know, so I was always in a similar, similar mindset of like, Hey, let's look big picture here. Let's not just be so focused on wins. And I think a lot of kids getting that folk, parents, coaches, AAU coaches, you name it, high school coach, like 
they get so focused on like winning a summer league, you know, like a summer tournament. Like, no, man, the off season for me is the time to, to grow that creativity and to grow that skill set and allow hey, your play, hey. you know, uh, uh, allow your players to, 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 to express that, you know, and, and give them the freedom, mm-hmm. especially your dogs. You know, like if those are your guys, you got two to three guys on your high school team or, you know, you, you, those guys that are just in the gym relentlessly. Like I, I would love a coach to give me that green light in the off season, you know, or, or to, 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 you know, say, Hey, listen, you get two points for every time you, you score on a floater instead of one point and one-on-one, you know, or something like that. So I think it's a real, real cool way to, to improve. Um, you know, we do a lot of stuff. I do a lot of stuff with kids where we limit dribbles or we have a shot clock or you have to mm-hmm. stay, you know, or, uh, we, we play one-on-one at, you know, five feet, seven feet, 12 feet with one dribble. So you got to square up, pivot, get your spit, you know, get your shot off. So I like, you know, I think that efficiency to, 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 to learn how to be creative in the off season and, and, and really get a lot of reps. And like, I think there's more value in a small group workout where you're working on your weaknesses during the off season, you know, every day meeting with guys that challenge you, push you, you can play defense, you know, you get a hundred reps of one-on-one rather than five on five, where you might not touch the ball for a game. You know what I mean? Like you might, you might run to the corner. Like, what do you, you know what I'm saying? Like, Hey, you to me can, can help and it can hurt, um, uh, depending on how you approach it. So I agree. Last, last thing, man, hold on one more, one more. Mm -hmm. You got cut from the supersonics and the warriors, right? Yep. What, how did you bounce back from that? Like, tell me a little bit about that, that, that we'll finish on that. You know, Coming out of college, man, I got – I didn't get drafted, but I went to Seattle. And at the time, Seattle was sort of in a whirlwind because Seattle had like seven free agents that they uh, tried, had to figure out who they were going to bring back. Uh, they weren't sure who the coach was going to be. And so it, it was sort of in a, a whirlwind type of summer. They had really set a direction on where they were going with that. But, man, in the summer, I played really well. I was like one of the top five scorers in the summer league with mm-hmm. Seattle and was playing really well, man. Just knew for sure that I was going to get like at least an invite to training camp or, uh, you know, get some type of a partial deal. Mm-hmm. And and I didn't, man. And I didn't. And maybe I didn't give myself long enough because I was playing well and a EuroLeague team came and, you know, offered me a contract. And, mm-hmm. you know, my dad was like, you know, well, what are you going to do? And I'm like, man, there's money on the table right here. I'm going to get this money. Yeah. And so, uh, <laughs> Looking back at it, uh, do I regret it? No, but maybe should I maybe have been a little bit more patient? Mm-hmm. I could have been. Um, I could have been, but uh, you know everything worked out for the best. But it, it was tough for me, man. It was tough. My whole first two years playing in Europe, and I was thinking about just trying to get back to the NBA. I didn't really care about Europe. I felt like I was better than the people there. I, you know, I felt like I. Said I should have been in the NBA. I don't need to be over here, uh, and it was tough, man. It was it was really tough, and you know, especially being in a foreign country, not really speaking the language, being there by yourself, and you know, wanting to be back home, wanting to play in the NBA. You know, it, it really you know took some you know tough mentalness, man. It, it, it really mm-hmm. took some mental toughness. Excuse mm-hmm. me. Really, it really took some mental toughness to to be able to bounce back from that because you know you you've been working your whole life for trying to achieve this goal and trying to achieve this dream. 
for sure. And all of a sudden, it, it, it seemed like it, it, it's not happened or it's, it's been unfairly kind of pulled away from you, man. You, you fought through adversity, you know, the ups and downs in college, playing well, you're doing everything that you're supposed to do. And you felt like, man, what else do I need to do? I, I've showed what I need to show. I, I've played well. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like it just wasn't enough. And But that's part of that adversity that you have to bounce back from. And, and, and that's what you – you know, you get when you learn not to have that entitlement, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, okay, I got to keep pushing. I got to stay yeah. professional. Okay. What's next? Keep moving. You can't get stagnant. You can't get stuck, you know, in one thing stuck, you know, in a rut, as they say, got to yeah. keep moving. Everything keeps moving forward. Don't get left at the train station. Make sure you stay on the train. That was one of Rick Pitino's uh, key quotes. Mm-hmm. Keep moving with the train. Don't, don't stay stagnant because the train is going to keep moving regardless. Yeah. And it's so, uh, it, so true. mental toughness, man. Yeah. I like that. I mean, I, uh, I have a quote from, again, since you said stoic, you got me all excited. Amor fati is a, is a, a saying, um, it means love your fate, you know, like what, whatever happens to you, wherever you are, it's a lot harder to do when you're younger. I can tell you that. But as I got older, you know, just to, to appreciate everything that happened to me, you know, whether it was it was a positive, negative experience, to not wish for something else, but just to keep, you know, keep uh, keep waking up and, and being grateful for for the experience you know, of of being a pro basketball player and getting to live that lifestyle. You know, I think basketball right. is a lifestyle. It's a, it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a beautiful thing to get up and work out and train. It's a hard thing, especially if you do it right. But at the same token, right. you know. You look back on your career, you got to travel, you know, so many countries, you had so many experiences, your perspective of the world probably wouldn't have been, you know, what it is if you had stayed in the NBA. And I think, you know, a lot of NBA guys get, can get lost in the weeds. You know, they, they, they go bankrupt. They, ha- they have that, that big ego. They have, they have to deal with all these other things, you know, that, that, you know, maybe we had to go through that adversity and that suffering of like, man, our biggest dream didn't happen. Now what? And you got to deal with it, you know. And I think it's a real, real hard thing to do to love what what is happening to you, if even if it feels like it's not a great thing. But you can still appreciate adversity. You can still, you know, appreciate somebody kicking your ass in one on one. You know, whatever it is that day. Like I don't like losing, <laughs> but you know what? Right. Um, I it's not easy to look at it that way and say, well, I'm going to get better. I'm going to come back and and improve tonight. You know, and 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 be grateful that he showed me what I need to work on. You know, so many kids are afraid to lose. And I'm like, man, no, <laughs> get out there. Go If you are finding yourself losing to players or playing in five and five and pick up, and there's somebody that can, that can, that, like you said, you Reese gains, you know, that Reese gains, go find that guy or girl and stick with them, stick, learn from them, you know, they're, and I think that's a, a huge thing for, you know, whether you're a coach, player, parent, you know, let your kids get outside their comfort zone. That's where they're growing and that's where they're going to learn how to deal with that adversity. So I appreciate you coming on the show, man. Uh, thrive. Hopefully we can all thrive a little bit better because of Larry O'Bannon, the man. I mean, just look at his resume. You guys will see it. I'm going to post his career from regional MVP to a final four. Uh, man, just super appreciative that you take the time to talk to, you know, uh, everybody in Northern Michigan and all over Michigan, whoever listens to this, all 26 of of you. (laughs) I love it, man. Trev, 
I really I appreciate you, man. First and foremost, uh, just being a good friend. Uh, it's amazing, man, the friendship we've developed in, in a short time. And, you know, just to give the people a quick backstory, man, is I had always thought about getting into real estate. Mm-hmm. And I remember just me and you had just met up. We just signed on the same team, just going out and having some, mm-hmm. you know, get, eating dinner one time. And, and you were just talking, talking to me about your real estate. And I'm like, man, you know what? I've been wanting to get into it. He's like, man, go for it. He said, I'll help you out. And man, you, you know, help me show, you know, you show me how you set yours up. and You help me with the documents and mm-hmm. things like that. And I really went for it and I got it. Mm-hmm. And so it was a blessing to be able to meet you, man, and to develop such a, a great friendship in a short amount of time. Man, it just goes to show you the great guy that you are. And it was a pleasure to, to be on here, man. And I really appreciate it. Uh, I wish you much success. Uh, it's great to thrive on here with you, man. Yes. And more blessings to you going forward, my man. Larry, tell people where they can find your podcast and uh, reach out to you if they want to follow you on the social channels. Where, how do we find you? Uh, my podcast is The Player's Perspective Uncensored with Larry O'Bannon. Uh, it's on all podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, mm-hmm. uh, on YouTube. We got a YouTube channel. And we air every Wednesday. We have a podcast going on. Mm-hmm. And so um, they can follow us on Twitter at the PPU podcast and follow us on Instagram at the Players Perspective Podcast. And if you're trying to reach me, you could, you know, reach me on my social medias. It's Larry O'Bannon on any okay. of the social media platforms. Man, thank you so much. And thanks for that compliment about, you know, that, that the real estate stuff. I, I forgot about that. So I, I always, I mean, it's how I've maintained my, you know, reached my goals and financially, you know, to be in, independent and have, have my career life set up. So I'm so happy that you said that. That made me, I got like, might've got teary eyed, man. So thank you so much for coming on and uh, everybody check out Larry and we'll talk soon. All right. Appreciate it, Trev, man. All right, man. Larry, take Later. care. All right, buddy. Right.